welcome to The Hope Project. On this podcast, we talk about matters of sex, sexuality, relationships, shame, and so much more. The goal of this podcast is always to bring hope to your sexuality and freedom from any unhealthy views you may have been taught growing up. And if you've enjoyed what this project is aspiring to do, then there are a couple ways you can support us. First, you can leave a review on the channel. This helps us stay relevant to the audiences we are trying to reach. Second, you can go to our Patreon and see how to support us financially. We are so grateful to all the people who have supported us and continue to support us on this project. This episode is a part of Season 2. If you haven't had a chance to listen to the trailer for Season 2, I recommend you do that now before listening to this episode. Today on the podcast, we have Monica Hobson joining us. She graduated from a Christian university in 2014 with a BSN, and she currently works as a nurse at a City of Hope and Bone Marrow Transplant. She's currently getting her master's to become a family nurse practitioner. She lives with her wife of six months and her dog, Pancake, um, and when she is not working or doing school, she's out reading, hiking, or online shopping. Excited for you guys to hear from her. Let's dive on in. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast today. Today we have Monica with us, and we are talking about homosexuality and Christianity. We actually just, right before this, <laughs> talked for about five minutes on what should we say we are talking about today. Um, so Monica, she's going to take it from here, and she's going to share a little bit about her story, her journey up to this point, and yeah, let you guys know who she is. Well, hi. Thanks for having me on You're the welcome. podcast. You're welcome. Um, yes, my name is Monica, and I am a gay woman. <gasps> <laughs> she <laughs> said it. <laughs> who happens to also identify as a Christian. Um, and, yeah, I would like to talk about anything you want to talk about. Let's talk about everything. <laughs> um, <laughs> not really. We're just going to talk about a few things. Monica, can you, like, share just a little bit, like, okay, what was your upbringing like? Anything you want to share about it. You don't need to, like, trash anyone or talk good about anyone. Um, but just what was your upbringing like? What was your experience like? What has brought you up to this point in your life? Yes. Um, so I think that at least my story starts off like a lot of um, Christian kids. Um, I grew up in a Christian household. Uh, I went to a Christian elementary school. Uh, went to church, ended up going to a Christian college, yada, yada. And so um, a lot of my identity as a gay woman didn't start forming until I was probably in college. Hindsight, uh, have learned a lot about mm-hmm. myself looking at my my upbringing, my past, my tendencies, um, that I just didn't have a lot of the terminology that we use today when talking about, like... <laughs> I don't think anyone has terminology <laughs> that talking we about use today. Anything in sexuality. So looking back, seeing me not very much interested in boys in, like, elementary school or in, uh, what is it, um, like... Uh, seventh and eighth grade or even in high school not thinking like oh I don't know if this means something different and for some people it it doesn't have to but Mm -hmm. I just thought hmm I'm just more interested in school or I'm more interested in other things and then kind of getting to college and thinking like huh this is something that hasn't gone away Um, and then obviously like kind of starting to question like what my what I've said my narrative has should be and what has been dictated to me through the church or youth group or other mm-hmm. friends or my parents 
um, and kind of starting to question all that. Um, so I would say that I kind of started to dig a hole, um, Mm. when it came to my sexuality, because it was in college, it started to become something that I really couldn't avoid. I dated guys throughout high school. Did you go on any guy rats? <laughs> Did I ever? <laughs> <laughs> and so there was my identity, you know? I'm just this like the, an, another heterosexual white mm-hmm. girl walking this campus, this Christian campus. This mm-hmm. is this is the this is the box that I'm sitting in and then being so afraid of what if that's different? Yeah. Uh, like what if that's not actually me? Mm-hmm. Um, and what do I even do with that? Yeah. So I spent most of college actually just hoping that that would change, hoping I could just pray it away, hoping I could <laughs> go to some curative therapy for it, hoping that I could just fall in love with a guy and, and that's it. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that makes, I mean, that's a, a very common story I feel like where I have a lot of friends who identify as gay or identify as lesbian and it's like this started when I was like elementary school and like I thought it'd go away uh, once I got to college it's always college it's like Mm -hmm. college I think it would go away and a lot of them then go to a Christian college Mm because it's like oh if I go to a Christian college I'll meet a Christian person of the opposite gender that I'll fall in love with this will fix it will cure yada yada Um, and then it just it doesn't I mean I mean for some for some they would claim it does but for the majority if not most if not 99% (laughs) um, it doesn't it doesn't change Um, and you have to come to a realization where you're kind of just like I've dug myself a hole in some ways because whether through culture whether through my family I didn't wrestle with sexuality I didn't deal with it I didn't process it and now I'm 21, 22, 25, 30 years old and this is all hitting me in the face (laughs) and it's like whoa I've been this way for 30 years and I've just like lied to myself about it this whole time. Yeah, no, um, I definitely think that, um, and I'm not speaking for all Christians, I'm not speaking for all gay Christians, all gay men, all gay women, however you wanna. Only speak for the gay men. <laughs> sure thing, sure thing, here we go. Um, but um, I think that I was given um, this role by my parents and I was even given this set of ideologies where they were I I loved my parents and we'll get to um, my relationship with them later and I don't want Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. insult them but um, (laughs) they were given me the terminology that there was no such thing as even having like gay attraction Mm -hmm. they're like oh let's look at oh my gosh there's like two like a gay couple there like they are messed up like it's like almost like a mental illness um that's so wrong yes it's like the worst the worst thing ever and it's not even we're not even going to legitimatize any aspect Mm -hmm. of their humanness it's almost like you could see a murderer walking down the street and like the two gay men holding hands who are married are more Oh, it's worse. <laughs> like a murderer. Oh, much worse. Um, and so I think that, yeah, from a young age, that fear of like, oh, my gosh, like, what is this? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is evil. This mm-hmm. makes me isolated. This demonizes me. This makes me a monster that no one's going to like. Um, mm-hmm. Everyone's going to look at me differently. Mm-hmm. Um, it started at a very young age because... I was told that's the way it is. You know, it's the way it has to be. Um, 
Well, I think if you look at, you know, Christian culture teaching, it's kind of like, we talked about this a little beforehand before we even recorded, but it's kind of like, okay, even the most loving of conservative Christians, non-affirming camp, would be like, okay, well, your orientation isn't a sin. So being gay isn't a sin. Right. But it's a result of sin. Right. So like regardless of whether or not it's actually a sin to be gay Mm -hmm. or if it's a result of sin, either way, you're more messed up than everyone else. You are more skewed and more affected. And I was even talking about a silly example of like, I think I'm balding. Uh, (laughs) I've met with a doctor and they're like, "Mm, yeah, you're probably balding. And it's like, I think that is a a cause of sin. Like, not like my sin, but like a result of sin, death, decay. Like my, my cells are dying in my hair follicles. But not for a second, because that is a result of sin, what I now think I am inherently bad because I am balding. Now, maybe it is a result of sin. Maybe it is a result of whatever, the fall, Adam, whatever you want to look at it. So even if you're not affirming, though, it's like that language can't then attribute to people looking at themselves Mm -hmm. as if they are like, I am inherently more messed up than everyone else. Like inherently. And everyone would say, well, no, we're all sin Mm -hmm. and falling short of the glory of God. Yes. But that's talking about like our behavior or maybe even like our bent. Mm -hmm. But what you're telling the gay community is that even if you experience an orientation that doesn't fit our pre-understanding of what you're supposed to be oriented to, you're like inherently wrong and messed up. Yes, yeah. Um, And uh, I mean, we could go down that rabbit trail. Um, I would say say definitely to address that, I think it's very interesting that Christians fall into these two different camps. We're either Mm -hmm. affirming or we're Mm -hmm. not affirming. And that dichotomy is what's adding fire to this tension because Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what I say. If you think that this is a sin, it's going to be a sin because that's your fundamental belief. Mm-hmm. I've gotten to a place where I don't think that this mm-hmm. is a sin fundamentally. And so even in your comparisons, I've heard like, well, I'm going to love you the same way I would love you if you were cheating on your husband. <laughs> or if, <laughs> if you, you were murdering if you were mur- Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm like, well, even in that mind frame, you are still coming at this in a completely different way than Mm -hmm. someone who has does not have those thoughts so it's it's hard and you're gonna end up uh not treating people you're gonna end up yeah judging people um Mm -hmm. or like having thoughts or whatever um, about someone based off of those fundamental values because that's what you do you're a human being um and it's gonna it (laughs) it's gonna be different i don't know it's gonna be it's hard the dichotomy aspect, I think, is big because if you look at our political climate today, like say you're a conservative um, and like, I don't want to get into mass shootings. <laughs> That's not the podcast. But say there's some gun thing that happens. Like because you're a part of that party, you're that preset conditions of this is what is right. I'm going to pretty much defend that person mm-hmm. even if they did wrong or even if they caused harm. And the same side on the liberal side, even if, you know, this person did this thing that I don't agree with. Like, since they're in my party in my camp and that fits my ideals, I'm going to defend them to the T. And so when I think about, say, you're a, a 10-year-old girl and you're realizing, I'm not attracted to guys. Like, this isn't, this is wrong, according to my parents. And then you have a pastor, like a youth pastor, who gets up on stage. Your parents are sitting right by you. And he makes some, like, offhand, like, comment about the gay community that really is offensive. Your parents are probably going to defend him. Well, he didn't really mean that. Like, he didn't. 
he didn't mean well i mean at the end of the day though it is a sin and we do need to take it seriously and but it's like well just because you're in this preset part even if you are in that preset party in that dichotomy doesn't mean you have to like defend every like offhand comment every hateful comment every like bad stereotype that people throw around so even like even if <laughs> you want to fit in that dichotomy like it doesn't give you a right to just defend any pastor who like makes like a sidehand joke that everyone giggles at in church it's like no stand up and say something like yeah. like there are people in the room regardless of where you stand that's not okay um yeah, yeah I, that that just bothers me to to the ninth degree yeah um, and i think that some especially if you have a voice, especially even in the Christian community, yeah, you just need to be very conscientious. And obviously you you have a right to exercise your freedom of speech, but that actually reminds me in high school, going to a Christian summer camp, um, (laughs) hearing, what was it? I think it was... uh, a pastor yeah, like a purity talk night yeah. some camps have like they split the guys and girls up but have like a purity, purity yeah talk night. and they're like and kids have come up to me and they've told me about their struggles with porn and blah blah blah, blah. And even some of them have talked about struggling with same-sex attraction and i was like <laughs> oh my gosh i'm the worst of the yeah. worst yeah i'm like you're the even the pariah. like it's not like oh i'm struggling with porn or like it's like even yeah <laughs> some of them yeah man so yeah. Going off of that, let's let's dive a little bit into like what your experience has been like in the Christian church. Um, not maybe now, but even now, but we'll get to that. But more so like growing up, what was it like kind of being in youth group, going to Christian camp? You shared a little mm-hmm. bit already, but what was it like for you kind of realizing I don't fit mm-hmm. kind of in in terms of what they're looking for? But you're hearing messages after messages after messages, interacting with friends, you know, mm-hmm. having close conversations with people and like teenagers have no filter Mm -hmm. and they just regurgitate what their parents say and so but you're there you're right there um i have this friend who talked about he was getting ready to come out to his friends when he's about 17 um he's actually on the podcast jacob um and he's talking about he got into the hot tub with them and he's like ready this is the night he's gonna tell them and like right before he does it one of them makes a joke about homosexuality not realizing it yep Mm -hmm. and they're just like regurgitating a joke they heard from like some comedian probably um but it's like now he's just like just like sunk mm-hmm. <laughs> under the water and just like I don't I can't this isn't safe with anyone. <laughs> oh, so what what has been guy. your experience like um, growing up in the Christian church? Well, I will say on that um for a long time I was actually jealous of gay men because I feel like in today's society in general it's probably easier to be a gay man than a gay woman. It's easier to be a man than a woman in general. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like that would be yeah. true. Yeah, so it's so funny because um, I was really frustrated when I was trying to come to terms with everything, trying to find books on the subject. They're all written by gay men or mm. by men who are dealing with this. It's very hard to find mm-hmm. anything, like especially in the genre of like, being Christian and gay. Yeah, and affirming, and affirming like, uh, or same-sex marriages as a good yes. blessing by God. Yeah, yes, um, by a gay woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was also hard for me too because I was like, oh man, like I would feel I feel so nervous even to come to terms with this because i feel like i i'm would be so alone such an outcast yeah. who do you turn to like there is no older authoritative voice that like has walked this path yeah like i remember even at biola they had um what is it matthew vines and um wesley hill wesley hill have mm-hmm. a debate and i was like i mean this is great and i'm glad to hear these points but i'm like 
I feel like half the population is being missed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's not their fault. I mean, yeah. obviously. They can't address everything right. at one time. But at the same time, like, if you're never bringing up a lesbian woman right. on both sides of the kid, whatever, however you yeah. want to do it, like, yeah. you're missing, you know, half the people who are struggling or yeah. who are just coming to grips with their sexuality. Yeah. So I, I came out much later in life, probably mm-hmm. a lot. No, I know out of that fear and that shame that mm-hmm. came with it and the thought that everyone's going to look at me different or whatever. Um, so hold on, pause. What was the original question? <laughs> you asked uh, me something about... Um, you're, you're addressing it. Uh, uh, what has it been like growing up in the Christian oh, world? Oh, right, right, right. Like Sorry. the Christian church, okay. the Christian world, like right. up until this moment, what has it been like? What have been the hard points? What have maybe been the good parts? Um, right, okay. Kind of what has been your experience? Kind of you now providing a voice for someone who is 12 years old. Right. Um, like... What is the path that you walked to get here? All right, perfect. Sorry. Um, okay, so um, growing up, I wasn't, I didn't really even know what gay was. Mm-hmm. However, I will say that um, I think a lot of my parents' fear and a lot of maybe, um, maybe even my fear arose from I had a gay neighbor. She was lesbian. Mm-hmm. And my parents never addressed it. She was like very close, next door neighbor grew up she was so sweet um and uh my parents never addressed it never addressed her partner or anything like that and then they were also kind of homophobic and i don't want to obviously uh the things are way more complex than that Mm -hmm. or there's a lot of other things that were going on there but um i think that was my parents (laughs) probably only like close relationship to any gay person (laughs) for their whole lives Mm -hmm. that they that they knew that they knew of and so they're literally basing their entirety of judgment (laughs) Mm -hmm. or whatever on this experience Mm -hmm. um and then just kind of growing up with very with people very similar to me obviously the christian school i didn't really learn much about it and so i think that's why a lot of people um start to realize it maybe in high school or college is because they are so sheltered Mm -hmm. (laughs) they don't realize it so um i also have a very interesting background in that um, i grew up in a christian household but my parents um my dad uh grew up in a christian home that was probably more it affected him more negatively than positively so he was very scarred from um, his very Bible thumping <laughs> upbringing. Mm-hmm. And so we never actually went to church regularly growing up. It was Christian elementary school mm-hmm. and, uh, you were in the culture, but not really. Going yeah. To church, yeah. I mean, in the, in the school is a lot, the school is yeah. enough. I mean, yeah. Pokemon cards were of the devil. <laughs> Harry Potter was witchcraft. I mean, yeah. <laughs> funny. My it, mom only let, she didn't let us watch Scooby-Doo. That was it. She, my parents are like pretty grace-filled. And they're like, yeah, go play Pokemon. Like, go, you know, witchcraft, whatever. It's fine. But like Scooby-Doo. And it wasn't like, it wasn't even necessarily the ghosts. I think she just thought it was too scary. <laughs> she just thought like, it's too scary for my kids. And you're not going to allow to watch it. Spooky cartoons, you yeah, know, they watch really. Out for, watch out for Scooby-Doo. Um, so I think that... Uh, yeah, I, that's why I think hindsight, like realizing, oh, um, you having the, a slight obsession with your friend who is also a girl, obviously, yes, you're friends and everything, but that could have been a crush and you probably just had no idea. Mm. 
or something like that. Um, and like looking back and thinking, oh, this was way more early on than I even really was aware of just mm-hmm. because it wasn't in my narrative. Yeah. Um, and so in high school, uh, I started going to church on my own in high school. Mm. It was a, a Baptist church. <laughs> <laughs> so we really set ourselves up for success. <laughs> uh, but again, um, yeah, kind of having feelings, but like really like praying and just, I think, I, I don't know. I think a lot of these young Christian kids get into this, like, not like holier than thou, but like, I'm going to do this so hardcore. I'm going to get up at 530 and do my mm-hmm. devotion. I'm going to pray so hard. Mm-hmm. I'm going to journal. I'm going to, you know, it's just like I'm a, do anything bad. Yes. Yes. I'm going to be out after 10. It's, know, it's a curfew. It's a big commitment. Yeah. <laughs> I was a good kid. And I, and that's another thing too. I think, um, obviously I'll, I'll talk about the church too, but, um, I, I do like, uh, what Matthew Vine says in his book, Thing is God and the Gay Christian, that mm-hmm. I grew up in a household with a normal mom, dad. This isn't because I have daddy issues. <laughs> this isn't because I like, I, you know what I mean? I was never sexually abused. Mm-hmm. Like this isn't something, and I'm not trying to say that, like, I guess maybe uh, sexuality is very complex, but this, I feel like. I was taught, and a lot of people are taught, oh, this is a product of X, Y, Z mm-hmm. in your past. And it's really something very negative. And it can like, be corrected. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that even if I did hear anything about being gay, it's because, oh, I mean, their dad was abusive. Of course, mm-hmm. they don't like men or mm-hmm. brother or they were molested, you know, anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, so I do like the fact that he addresses that. He's like, no, I came from a normal loving Christian home and none of that happened to me but look I still have gay feelings mm-hmm. um and so high school uh I I did um find like a lot of comfort in the church but I wasn't out I wasn't telling anyone about those feelings that was like so far away from from my mouth so I I think that while yes I found a lot of good things in the church and um i learned a lot i was still kind of like shoving this part of myself deeper and deeper down in my soul did it it feel like you were kind of on the outside of a party looking in like you really enjoyed what was happening um and you thought there's a lot of good going on but at the same time like you didn't really fit in like you weren't allowed to to be fully in yeah i was so scared that someone would think or like almost like find me out Mm -hmm. that yeah I just wanted to fit in so yeah I just which I could imagine felt like walking on eggshells sometimes where you're just like if I expose myself in any way give any hint and someone guesses I'm done like it's done I'm out of this group I'm out of this club like it's done yes exactly and (laughs) even like um what is it like if there was any type of gay uh support group or something like that i was terrified i was like huh gotta make fun of that or yeah. else i'm gonna and if someone <laughs> or makes a joke you like to jump in and be like yeah yeah that's stupid oh my gosh yeah watch out for those people yeah. i'm telling <laughs> you, you. They're the worst. <laughs> they might be gay themselves so yeah. just pull them aside and talk yep. to them later <laughs> um but yeah so i feel like um the church and me growing up gave me that certain narrative and obviously 
there was a lot of good things, but also a lot of destructive mm-hmm. thought patterns that came out of um, me going to church in high school. And I went to a public high school, which I think was very good because it got me out of that bubble mm-hmm. um, that I was living in my whole life. Um, and it kind of, I started thinking differently mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah. What has suffering been like? Kind of, you've already, you've hinted on this a little bit, but what has it been like to, I mean, maybe let's even get fast forward a little bit to college mm-hmm. um, or even post-college. What has it been like to to maybe be out, quote unquote, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and interact with friends of old from family to, to parents to whatever? What is What has that reality been like? Yeah, so... By the time that college hit, I think I had imploded a little bit and was kind of, I maybe um, it happens in college because, or your realization of your sexuality happens in college because it's such a a different change in life. You're no longer with your parents. Yes, and freedoms, independence. Yes, yeah. yes. So um, I think that counseling saved my life. Hmm. I was so scared of even coming out to anyone, even that I trusted, because A, I thought that I was going to get kicked out of school, or I'd lose my job, or Mm -hmm. I don't know, like, anything. Um, So I ran down that rabbit trail of, like, I can't tell anybody. I was like, maybe I could go to counseling, and they could just teach me how to not be like this or something. Mm -hmm. So I actually went to the BCC thinking like, oh, maybe they can cure me of this. Mm -hmm. Thank God that poor, sweet little counselor is like, no, (laughs) actually, we don't believe in that here. (laughs) But we can talk about (laughs) your shame and whatever. Well, thank God that that counselor wasn't like, they were relying on their training (laughs) and their learning rather than just maybe relying on their past. Because I know some counselors that have like heard that and been like, yeah, like we could like, let's try these, let's, let's try these four routes. And then yeah. if that doesn't work, then we'll like, you know, we'll make you learn to accept yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think that I finally started to like feel, I started to come to terms with myself through counseling. Mm. And if it wasn't for that, I, how can you love anybody else if you can't love yourself? I yeah. hated who I was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that definitely fed into the shame. Um, so in college, um, I did have a closeted relationship, but nobody knew about it. And I didn't know how to address it myself. I didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Were um, they at the same college mm-hmm. as you? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um, we're not going to specifically name what college <laughs> that is, but that is not allowed <laughs> at that college. So this was very bad. <laughs> um, and so I knew I felt a certain way. And... I just, I didn't know what to do about it because mm-hmm. even growing up, you're given the narrative of like what to do in a heterosexual relationship. You have no idea oh my gosh. what it's like for a and gay relationship. And people have no idea how to do a heterosexual relationship. Yeah. And we get taught about that <laughs> every single day. So if I have no idea how to date a woman as a man, <laughs> then I have no idea how gay men and lesbian women do it. Yeah. So I feel like I've felt like even more isolated because I still was thinking oh my gosh I'm living in sin and there's also this part of me that nobody knows about but then I'm also like kind of in this like relationship that I really like and I have heard of similar stories and I think that 
that also kind of plays into the shame and guilt because nobody wants to come out. Nobody wants to talk about mm -hmm. it because they're so scared, which does kind of dovetail into the, um, as a church, what are we missing that people are so scared? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's not a that's not a way to live. I did not realize until after how depressed mm -hmm. I was in college. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, man, I'm I'm just I'm rattled by that because I'm just thinking of like, okay, when I was in college, what parts of myself like did I have fear so much fear that I couldn't share with anyone? And I think like pornography was probably mm -hmm. the only one, and that's not even me in a sense. It's more of a behavior. But like this is a, is more of it's not even like you want to, yeah maybe you're scared about coming out about a closeted relationship you have. But it's even more just like this is just who I am. Mm -hmm. It's not even this is my behavior. This is just my orientation. This right. is just my sexuality. And to have so much fear and shame that you can't even tell me like these people that are at this Christian college at these Christian churches that are saying we love you. You're accepted. You're mm -hmm. welcome here. You belong. And to still believe that I can't share this with anyone we can blame it on the person like mm -hmm. oh well no we're a welcoming community it's your fault but I don't think so like I think even though we use those slogans we're not creating an environment that welcomes acceptance um, that mm -hmm. welcomes belonging so that's yeah. just that rattles me um, because there's there's not a single fabric of my heterosexual white male mm. self other than pornography which is this behavior that everyone's like yeah it's probably not the best thing in the world mm -hmm. And, like, there's nothing that I would be like, yeah, I can't share that because I'm so scared of how people are going to react. Yeah. No, and I think that that brings up a good point because I think that if you are non-affirming, I hear a lot of the language of um, – uh, I'm sorry, I've lost my thought. <laughs> Hold on. Um, non-affirming oh, language. Oh, yeah. um, I hear the phrase, well, it's not your whole identity. Your mm -hmm. sexuality is not your whole identity, but society has made it your identity. Mm -hmm. And even it's so hard to say that as a heterosexual person talking to someone who um, is gay because I'm not I'm not uh, attacking your way of life or I'm not trying to say that what you're doing is wrong. But on the receiving end of that, mm -hmm. it you're forcing me to make it my identity because if I don't choose that it, it's it's gonna follow me it's a part of me and mm -hmm. I can't do anything about it it's fine for you and your heterosexual life but it's always this thing that I have to be addressing for me mm -hmm. well no one no one says well the classic thing is like well I don't identify as a straight man like <laughs> I don't do that why do you have to identify as a gay your identity is in Christ you know <laughs> Ephesians 2 24 mm -hmm. and it's like okay we may not be saying like I am a straight man but just because the identity isn't spoken doesn't mean that it's not like something you're actually living out and something you're mm -hmm. not actually taking on so that's why I really struggle with people whatever camp um where it's like you can't identify as this because your identity is in Christ. Right. And it's like, yes, but like, okay, what do you do for work? I'm a lawyer. Don't identify yourself as a yeah. lawyer because lawyers commit sins all the time. <laughs> and it's like, no, it's like even if we're not, you know, adamantly claiming I am a straight, you know, man, there's still this identity facet that we're all okay with except for this one group of people. Um, and then it's like you can't No. The rest of us, we got our identity in Jesus. Now, you guys, you got it wrong. <laughs> yeah. I'm only identifying Jesus. You know, it's not in my work. It's not in how attractive I am. It's not in all these things. I'm, you know, as a straight man, it's just in God. That's it. 
but you you gay folk over there you know you guys are identifying the wrong things you need to stop that right now yes it's like, not fair like that's not fair at all to that community regardless of where you see that's not fair at all or like i don't see color yeah <laughs> It's the same same thing. You that's that's you just you cannot do that. Yeah. You cannot use that as a cop out because yeah. we're all humans. And sure, sure, there is truth in every facet of, you know, statements. But it doesn't mean that, you know, as you extend it like, yeah, you don't see color. What you're trying to say is like I don't treat people differently depending on the color of their skin. But that is just a foolish statement to make because you can actually address that in different ways. Um, like we don't need to just have these slogans of like you can't identify as this because um, I don't think it gets you anywhere really. Yeah. Um, and on either end, it doesn't get you anywhere other than just like good job you did your you know Twitter duty of mm -hmm. you you said a 140 character thing that you know really oh took a gosh. stand for something um, when actually really all you did is hurt people. Um, Gold anyway, star. Yeah. <laughs> I got a lot of retweets on that tweet. <laughs> um, so let's say. You were to walk into, you were to run into a friend from college that you knew in one of your programs, and they're like far right. They're not like the non-affirming Christians that are like figuring things out and showing love and acceptance, but still, you know, are wrestling with some things. They're like, this is a sin. This is an abomination. <laughs> you are a sodomite. <laughs> um, what would you like want to share with them? Um, what would you want to say to them? Other than like, you know, in the holiest of ways of you sharing, not like the ugly, <laughs> like yeah. the, what they deserve, but um, in like your best response, the love of Jesus is compelling you. Mm -hmm. What would you kind of share with them um, when they're coming at you in that kind of place of mind? Um, well, I will say that in coming out to people, mm -hmm. I have had a wide range of reactions. Mm -hmm. Most have been pretty good. Yeah. Um, the worst, ironically, was with my family, coming out mm -hmm. to my family. Which I think is a normal experience <sighs> with all my friends. Coming out to their friends was always a surprise for them of like, wow, that actually wasn't as bad as I thought. Maybe it wasn't as great as it could have been mm -hmm. in some of the situations. It wasn't as bad as that. But then when it's family, it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Most of the time, this is what I thought. Yeah. Um, and so I actually... Um, like not like I've lost my family um which is a, a big part of the um I guess the suffering that kind of comes yeah. with this and I'm not saying that everybody does lose their family and everybody's family reacts differently but my family took it very very hard um, do you have any siblings if that, yes unless that's too much. I okay. do <laughs> I do and she was okay at first actually mm -hmm. when I came out to her I came out to her first um but then I think that maybe my parents influenced her in their reaction and so now she's like kind of more under in their camp mm -hmm. um and so that coming out to my parents was probably very traumatizing mm -hmm. <laughs> for me how um, old were you when you came out to i was i was old i was out of college i think i was mm, 23 mm-hmm was 20. this like a, a coming out like with a girlfriend or just a coming out? This as is a, just coming out. Okay. Yeah. So you just, this is just me. It's mm -hmm. not like you like brought, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not like that you really bombarded them. So yeah, keep sharing. I was dating at the time, mm -hmm. um, but I, and I think that's why I was like, no, Monica, you need to do this. You mm -hmm. need to come out to your parents uh, because <laughs> this is how you're, this is mm -hmm. how you want to do things. And you got to move forward and you can't mm -hmm. be hiding this any longer. Um, and so I did. I put it off for as long as I could because I knew that they would react very negatively. Um, and 
they responded well with, well, it's just a phase. Mm. Well, had you ever Even though you were 25. Even though I was 25 <laughs> and I told them I've been dealing with this for yeah. over a decade. The brain is fully formed at 25, so I don't know there's <laughs> many phases at that point in time. But keep or are you sure women yeah. are very touchy-feely with each other? Mm-hmm. Like, how are, are you certain that this is something that it just isn't... Like, why are you jumping to these conclusions? Have you tried dating a guy? Have yes. you tried kissing guys? Yes. Have you tried even thinking about marrying a guy? Maybe that would Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, I mean, for the record, I did, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you're like, uh, I went on guy rats. I went and played mini golf with many guys. Okay, didn't work. Poor guys. No. Yeah. Um. And um. Or like, have you you like, if you just ever considered being celibate, like, then that's mm-hmm. the answer for you. Or like, you can't. Are you sure you even have these feelings? Like, I think that they hadn't even considered that somebody could just inherently have those mm-hmm. feelings. Mm-hmm. Of a different sexuality, well, you can tell in their response they didn't even ex- yeah. like they couldn't even accept it, so they had to question you. Yes, um, and I think that obviously that's the worst response that I got, mm-hmm. um, and so I think that there at some point there's no point in arguing mm-hmm. um, because you may not be able to change their mind. Um, but I, it takes a lot of patience and it takes a lot of bravery, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to be the brave one. Yeah. Like, <laughs> there isn't, there yeah. isn't, I think, I mean, to give parents credit for some parents, there's an amount of bravery of like, okay, maybe you had this ideal for what you thought yeah. your kids were going to turn out like, and that's shattered. And so that's going to take some bravery to face that. But again, you're the parent. They are yeah. the child. You should be the brave one, loving, accepting. The child shouldn't have to be being the parent, in a sense, being patient and bearing with them. Yeah, and I would say that's definitely where, as any gay person coming out to anyone, you definitely need to have grace because my parents had to, in whatever, however long it took me to come out to them, had to mourn, start mourning their yeah. um, expectations for me in my life and also just accept it. Mm-hmm. Um maybe not obviously not um affirming it but it's what i'm telling them it is so Mm -hmm. and most parents i feel like they would say their expectations like my parents would say this my expectations are that you love jesus like Mm. that's it that's my only expectation on you and then there's all these like unspoken expectations Mm -hmm. that you get married have a good job Mm -hmm. have some good grandkids for us Mm -hmm. to love on like those are all the unspoken expectations so then when you come to them and you break and shatter those expectations you can see it that actually those subconscious ones, those ones that never spoke, were true all along. Like you were yes. right. Even though they always said maybe it was like our expectation you love Jesus. Like and just you love Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. And it's like that's never the only expectation parents are putting on their kids. Yes. And I think um and obviously our goal is to um imitate Jesus or mm-hmm. however you want to put it, but Jesus is Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he never sinned. Mm-hmm. He's it's very different now and I so I would say it's fine to like love like Jesus or strive to be like Jesus but you can never be Jesus oh yeah well I mean (laughs) maybe you (laughs) but not me I can be perfect no that's that's so true so I always feel like what I would say is I am fully capable of finding my holiness in Jesus but finding my humanity in myself Mm -hmm. that's good because I I mean, I could read the Bible every day back and forth 
Jesus never laughs in the Bible. He never <laughs> he is weeps. in a relationship. Yeah, he weeps. It's true. Yeah, he weeps. He is never in a relationship. Mm-hmm. He is not experiencing some things like, and obviously he's, I'm not trying to, Jesus, you know I love you. <laughs> I'm not trying to like demean him or like knock him down a little bit. You're and, just like, that's the reality. Like, And yeah, so I, and I think I always get angry when people say, I want to love you like Jesus loves. And I'm mm-hmm. like, yes, thank you for that. But also you're not dying on the cross for my sins. Mm-hmm. Also, you're not perfect. Mm-hmm. Also. You're going to disappoint me. Like, yes. That's just the reality. Also, you're a human mm-hmm. and I am a human. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not part God. Mm-hmm. So anyways, um, yeah, I think that uh, my advice would be for any conservative person, your goal and your job is not to change anyone's mind. And mm-hmm. on that note, I would like to make a side note. You are not going to change anyone's mind via social media or Facebook. <laughs> and this is for gays, too. I would yeah. say that I've never, ever in my entire life come across someone who said, gee, I had a Facebook argument with this person on this issue and it really changed my mind it, my perspective has just completely shifted i no. am a liberal now what I happens <laughs> Whoa, how that what happens yeah. you become angry mm-hmm. you do not treat that person as a human anymore because you're not you're not seeing them face no it's, it's just uh, words on a screen it does the exact opposite so mm-hmm. um, even my advice for anyone who's gay who's struggling or coming across people wanting to argue via anything that's not face-to-face don't engage because mm-hmm. it's non-profitable yeah. yeah at all yeah i've run across that a lot where i think i have some friends who are like no like there's some good dialogue that happens on facebook and twitter and i'm like for the two percent of good dialogue it does there's 98 percent of digging in heels of mm-hmm. just defending my party, my platform, my group, my religion, whatever it is. And there's not listening, mm-hmm. listening, there's not compassion, there's not love. Mm-hmm. There's something about being face to face with someone mm-hmm. that just changes how we interact, where I can no longer just like view them as this theological concept, but they're a human being living and breathing and loving and crying and suffering and needing compassion right in front of me. Yeah. That you just can't, you can't fake that. Maybe with VR, we can get that. Um, and VR, Facebook fights will be okay. Yeah. But outside of that, uh, yeah. Um, so what would you, if you were your parents, um, what would you, in a sense, say to yourself? So I'm thinking of, say there's a 14-year-old girl or mm-hmm. even a 15-year-old boy um, listening to this, which I don't know if any 14-year-olds <laughs> are listening to this podcast. <laughs> but you but, never know. <laughs> uh, I know some parents that are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so say you're that parent and your child comes out to you. You mm-hmm. already mentioned this a little bit, but what would you say? What would be your hope for those parents and interacting with those kids? Yeah, um, it's it's funny because I think that um, everybody kind of needs a, a lesson on listening 101, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to something as vulnerable as this. So I would say your job is to listen and your job is to empathize and your job is to reflect and Mm -hmm. that's kind of about it Mm -hmm. unless they're a danger to themselves or others advice can be destructive Mm -hmm. um you're even even likening it to your own experience 
is not the point. Well, Jimmy, you know, I want to have sex with other women other than your your mom, but I don't do that. So why can't you just not? Yeah, like, or yeah. all the gay people that I know are blah blah blah. Yeah, having wild gay sex HIV yeah, and everything. It's because all of our parents grew up during the AIDS epidemic, mm-hmm. and that's all they think of. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's very vulnerable and very scary, and I think that almost like it's yeah someone's confiding you with something confiding in you with something that's very hard usually and Mm -hmm. maybe it's getting easier and maybe most people more people have confident more confidence than I had Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but that's not to say that it's still not hard and scary Mm -hmm. um and so yeah I would say even be careful with the questions that you do like well yeah, have you tried dating a girl or a guy? It's just like, don't be suspicious. Like, yeah. Don't be suspicious of your kid. Just trust what they're saying and listen. Yeah, so, it and yeah, and empathy is huge. Like, I'm so sorry that you've, uh, you've felt so scared and so alone for a long time. I'm so sorry you felt that <laughs> way. Not, yeah. I'm so sorry that right. I did something right. that would make right. you feel that way. It's that you, you did this. The one question you can ask is, what can I do? to kind of help you mm-hmm. in this process. I don't think we really need, need to be asking questions mm-hmm. um, because I think everyone is able to kind of cope, not cope, everyone is able to get somewhere via their own brain. They mm-hmm. don't need <laughs> you telling them yeah. how to do it. So mm-hmm. um, so don't give advice. <laughs> yeah. Even yeah. if I think your kid asks for advice, um, like, what do I do? I, I still don't think giving advice is the greatest idea. I would say, yeah, and it's super hard because I'm, I was, before this, even looking online for articles and stuff like that, they're written by heterosexuals. I, <laughs> if you're going to speak on something, if you lose, okay, if, if you're, who's the best person to write an article on losing a child? Someone? White straight man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably someone who has six kids and they're all healthy and everything's yeah. fine. No, yeah. it's someone who's lost a child. Mm-hmm. You don't expect the, a happily married heterosexual person to know everything that there mm-hmm. is about homosexuality. Yeah. You don't get a lot of room to speak on that. Mm-hmm. And you have to realize that, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, I think even for the non-affirming camp of like, just immediately saying celibacy. Mm-hmm. Like, do you realize what you're asking someone to do in our cultural moment and yeah. what we have, like, idolized in our culture of marriage and mm-hmm. sex and relationship and to just, like, say celibacy, like, mm-hmm. casually? Mm-hmm. Like, do you have any yes. idea, even if you're non-affirming, what kind of cost that yes. is you're asking someone to pick up that they didn't ask? Like, right. other people that choose to be celibate, they're, they're choosing it because of the grace of God, the gift mm-hmm. of God. You're forcing these people to be celibate, mm-hmm. just like with the whisk of a hand, just like simple, you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> here's There's your the answer. Yeah. No, and it's true. And I think I would rather hear or discuss that with somebody who is like me, who chose mm-hmm. to be celibate versus mm-hmm. somebody who's just telling me this is my solution. Yeah. Yeah. Who's married <laughs> and right. is happy. And like they talk about when they preach, they talk about their marriage is the greatest thing that's ever happened to them. But now like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's celibacy, celibacy, yeah. celibacy. And I would say that I could hear in the back of my mind this devil's advocate. Well, you would tell someone who's doing drugs to stop doing drugs. Yeah. You don't. I'm like, well, this is where it comes to 
what you view as a sin versus what I view as a mm -hmm. sin because that dichotomy again is going to dictate how you're going to react to mm -hmm. this person mm -hmm. telling you something. Well, and the reality is with drugs, for most people, no one wants to necessarily be doing drugs. <laughs> and like we all agree upon that. And so it's like, yeah, if someone comes to you and says, hey, I'm struggling with homosexuality and I've come to the conclusion in the Bible that I don't think it's, you know, homosexual marriage is for me. I mm -hmm. just don't think it. Okay, that's the conversation maybe mm -hmm. you can have. But if this person says, fundamentally, my conscience is clear before God by believing in the Bible, by following Jesus, it's not just like telling them to not do drugs. <laughs> like, yeah. hey, just don't do this bad behavior that we all know is bad. Mm -hmm. The problem is they're not saying it's bad. Mm -hmm. So this is a different conversation entirely right. that needs to be had. Right. Entirely. Um, so I guess moving from that, maybe the last question we can kind of sit on is kind of, I know you're, we're all figuring out kind of our relationship to the church and how we all kind of fit in. Um, but I guess what would be your hope, um, mm. for the Christian church? We've talked about like, what would your hope be for parents and related mm -hmm. to kids and for community, but what would be your hope for the Christian church, at least in just America, mm -hmm. um, in loving and walking alongside and talking about this issue? What would kind of be your hope? I know it's, <laughs> we're figuring it all out, but right now from your experience, what would be your hope for that? Yeah. Um, who I think that there is progress being made. And mm -hmm. I think that college kids may have, may feel a little bit more confident in not and thinking that they're not going to be condemned by their friends or their mm -hmm. church um, in coming out. I hope that church becomes a place where you don't have to be afraid of anything. Um, have you ever been to an AA meeting? Mm -hmm. Once. Um, the way that an AA meeting works, mm -hmm. I feel like that's how the church should be. Yeah. I, if I'm going to walk in with my wife um, mm -hmm. and be scared about either how people will react to me or like getting like double takes or showing avoidance, then the church isn't doing its job. I feel like if, and if you're on the other side of it and you see, I don't know, a gay couple coming in is your first thought like, oh my gosh, they'll never, they can never become a member here, but mm -hmm. I'm glad that they're here because they're going to learn the truth and mm -hmm. whatever. Um, I think that when you walk through the doors of the church, you need to be the most humble version of yourself. And actually you need to carry that out elsewhere, um, <laughs> not just in the church, mm -hmm. but I hope that the church becomes more humble. Um, and because I think that that's when there's a turnoff is when yeah. you do take that stance. And I, I have heard things like, oh, we're not going to take a stance at all because that's just too hard. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's so hard. Um, but it's like the dichotomy is going to keep people from thinking different things. And at that point, you just need to get to know that person mm -hmm. with their that woman with her wife that just walked through the mm -hmm. door and get to know them as a human being mm -hmm. uh have a relationship with them and then like form conversations based off of that nothing else yeah that's beautiful <laughs> I, I think man if the church could be more like aa um 
that's a great book title that you should write someday. Um, but man, if the church could be more like a, a group where we have humility, mm-hmm. where we share one another's burdens, where we root one another on, when we rejoice with one another, um, we love one another, when we accept one another, mm-hmm. man, that sounds like scripture. <laughs> that sounds yeah. like what the early church is supposed to be. And for us to have to sit here and say, I wish the church was this, to me, it hurts. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's, it's greatly depressing. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, like there are churches that are doing this mm-hmm. luckily. And two, this has always been the hope of the church is that it'd be this kind of place, um, that it would be the, the true and greater AA. Yeah. It'd be the true and greater place where a woman can walk in with her wife, a mm-hmm. man can walk in with his husband, People can walk in in their triads, whatever. It doesn't matter what it is that you are accepted here. And we actually believe that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, We'll walk alongside you. We'll figure things out as we go. Um, But to just keep people at arm's length because we're scared Mm -hmm. um, and we want to hold to our theological convictions over our human compassion. Um, Not saying get rid of your theological convictions, but Mm -hmm. actually engaging with people and entering Mm -hmm. into their lives. I think our churches would actually start to change and how we treat this issue um, and how we treat these. It's not even an issue of these people. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. And I guess to not to close, but I think that uh, the members of the church kind of can live in fear sometimes that mm-hmm. if I do X, Y, and Z, am I going to sin or am I going to be affirming something that's sinful? Mm-hmm. That should never be your worry. Mm-hmm. Um, you're fr- first and foremost command is to love God and love your neighbor as yourself and to love your enemies like we were talking about earlier and you don't have to worry about Mm -hmm. that fear God is not going to be like oh thank God that you rejected that gay couple or you gave Mm them a side look Mm -hmm. so that you that they know that you don't like them or that you don't like the way that they're living Mm -hmm. like oh Here's an extra jewel for your crown. No. It's like if a gay couple invites you to their wedding, they're not going to be like, oh, man, if he comes, that means he affirms us. They're inviting you because yeah. they, they're your friend. Oh, <laughs> none of my family attended our wedding. Yeah. and It's like we invited you not because we know that means you're a friend. Mm-hmm. It's because we love you and we want you there. Yeah. Regardless of how you feel about it, we know you yes. don't affirm of this, but we still want you there. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So don't live out of fear. Um, treat everyone the way that you'd want to be treated <laughs> this is very very basic very basic things mm-hmm. go to an aa meeting if you have mm-hmm. no idea what we're talking mm-hmm. about it's very you don't even have to be an alcoholic to do no that. no you not can... at all not at all um and i don't know I think that's yeah yeah this has been awesome yeah monica thanks so much for coming on yeah um, of course i really think this podcast is going to help a lot of people on both sides of this debate on both sides of this reality um just to be more like jesus mm-hmm. and be more like the church. so thanks yeah. we hope that monica's words encouraged you made you feel accepted and made you feel whole we hope that she has given you a hope for your sexuality beyond what you could have ever imagined As always, we want to acknowledge that this episode may have triggered you. It may have brought up old sexual abuse. It may have brought up old negative sexual behaviors. It may have even stirred up old wounds. With all of these things, talk to someone you trust about it. Don't hold these things just to yourself. Bring people into your life and your sexuality. And again, if you could leave us a review or share this episode with someone you think it might impact, this all greatly helps us 
do what we are trying to do on this podcast, which is bring hope to those who are struggling with their sexuality, who are struggling with their sexual lives, who are struggling with even the idea of what it means to be sexual. Okay, everyone, that's it from here. And as always, may the God of hope fill you all with joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope.